Welcome to the 23rd episode of the All That Podcast. Today, I have an old friend with me, Kat. <laughs> Say what's up to the people. What's up? I'm Kat. <laughs> <laughs> the old friend. The old friend. <laughs> um, so, you know, I've been trying to get this interview done for a while. And because, you know, we're adults, we're busy these days. Yeah. You know, things just... Didn't happen. <laughs> Didn't work out for right. a while. Exactly. But now we're finally here. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling? Are you comfortable on the red couch? Yeah, I dig the red couch. <laughs> it's comfortable. Are you ready for this? This is going to be a, a intense. It's going to be long. Long, intense. Yeah, I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> um, so I remember um, I was on Facebook one day, right? Mm-hmm. And... You posted about your sobriety, sobriety. and you know everybody was like, "Yay, cat! Like I'm so happy for you." Yeah. And you know, I was I was saying the same. I was like, "Oh, I'm happy for you," but I had no idea <laughs> yeah, that you're even going through anything in the first place. Out. Exactly. So it's kind of a shock to me. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, cause you, you never know. So that made me think that your story would be you know interesting for people to hear. So I guess. You know, we can just start off by by me asking you, like, where did your struggle, or when did you first use drugs? When, when were you first introduced to drugs? How were you introduced to drugs? Why did you feel <laughs> yeah. the need to go to drugs? Um, I got, I don't know. For me, like I said earlier, like, ever since really I hit puberty, I've been wilding out. Puberty? I don't know. Which means, like, 13. Like, 13. Yeah, I just got, I don't know, I started breaking all the rules at home, I started um, partying as much as I could, like the friends that I had started being like, whoa, chill out, you know, (laughs) so I started to make new friends that that were into that, all that partying and stuff, and Mm I I got introduced to drinking and smoking cigarettes and smoking weed eventually, and and, like, every new thing that I tried, I was, like... You wanted to one-up it. Yeah. I wanted right. to, like... Every time something was offered to me, I was, like, yeah. Like, it wasn't even a question at all, really. Right. No matter what it was. And that started to be, like, every weekend, you know. You tell your parents you're one place, but really you're not. Like, you're somewhere else. And that's how it started. And then it just... Like, I had no limits at all right like I wanted to try everything there was to be tried and I remember when I was in I think it was like ninth grade maybe mm-hmm. eighth or ninth grade I I tried um, hydrocodone for the first time pain mm-hmm. pills and that was it really I literally remember I I took two of them and I remember thinking I was like I want to feel like this all the time I, like, remember that thought, and I, like, pretty much set out, like, for that. After Mm. that, I was, like, addicted to pills, and just the whole, like, partying. Like, I was always messed up at school, Mm -hmm. in class, and teachers started noticing and stuff, and... What do you think was the root of you going down that path? Was something going going on at home to where you was like, I need to, you know, yeah. find an escape? What was going on in your life at that time when puberty hit <laughs> that made you, was it something deeper or was it you were just... Yeah, I've been trying to figure it out for about like 10 years mm-hmm. now, but I think like I had a great childhood. Like my okay. parents never got divorced. Like I have an older brother who's a golden child and... <laughs> Like, I had a great childhood. It was fun. Mm-hmm. Like, never struggled for money in my family, and I don't know why I fell off like that. I just, it was fun, exciting, right. exciting, and and it was, uh, like... Do you think maybe the structure of your family was so perfect, <laughs> right? Because a lot of people like to rebel yeah. against that. Um, it was pretty good, yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe that. I think also I was, like, kind of insecure, okay. like, socially, because... All through elementary school, I dressed like, you know, like a boy. I wore boxers right. in elementary school. And, mm-hmm. and like, when I hit puberty, I started to, like, doubt myself in that. And and I think, like, 
gravitating towards like like the partying lifestyle and like mm-hmm. group of people made me feel more comfortable like um like accepted kind of right you know and uh, i think i just always wanted to be like the best at that i never really felt like i was really good at other stuff growing up and so like i don't know what made me just want to dive fully into that whole lifestyle right. but it could just be a bunch of things wrapped up into one yeah do you, do you generally have an obsessive nature though yeah like I to do, where yeah. you yeah okay. like <laughs> if, for sure yeah mm-hmm. addictive personality i'll obsess over something that's that's how i am that's why i stay away i, I don't drink yeah I don't do any. I never smoked in my life because I know yeah. that how I am. Like if I if I go into something, I'm going to 100. percent There's Fully. no no gray area with me. Mm-hmm. So yeah. <laughs> That's that was my problem because I really wasn't like indulging in anything positive like mm-hmm. at all. I was doing art in high school for a little bit, uh, and I was like pretty good at it. But I was just only really interested in that lifestyle. So right. So, at some point, your parents send you to Arizona. Yeah. To a sort of so, boot camp. How old were you when they sent you away? I think it was my junior year. I might have been in... It was either 10th grade okay. or 11th grade. And they've been kind of, like, threatening it, you know? Because mm-hmm. I, was, I wasn't that... Just, just, like... We didn't, like, fight, really. Yeah. Like, I wasn't, like, horrible. I just never listened. They'd be like, you need to stay home tonight. And I'd be like... No, I'm elite. (laughs) (laughs) So they were more just like fearful for my life than like they're just sending me off, you know, because they're tired of my shit. Right. It was more for you to get help. Yeah. So one morning I woke up when my mom came in my room and woke me up and uh, she was like, wake up, get dressed. It's time to go to school and I look at the clock and it's like an hour earlier than usual than when I wake up for school. Yeah. And I was like, no, you're tripping. Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, you're going to a new school today. Uh-oh. I was like, mm, what do you mean? <laughs> like, I thought I was going to go to like a school or like Reigns or something. Right. You know? And I was like, what do you mean? And, and she was like being all shady about mm-hmm. it. Like she wouldn't tell me where I was going or what the deal was and... I started to get real nervous, and she basically was like, well, your school's in Arizona. Wow, that's a heck of a news to wake like, up oh. to. I was like, oh, yeah, that, that, right. that's kind of a lot of news to wake up to, like, the sun's not even up, you know, yeah. my eyes aren't even open, <laughs> and so I got really mad about it, and it turned into some big fight. Verbal? But, yeah, it was okay. just verbal, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, (laughs) but I ended up just, like, just going with them, Mm -hmm. really, and... You drove there? Yeah, they drove me to the, well, no, we went to the airport. Okay. And we flew there, and I didn't talk, like, the whole time. I was mad. I was really mad. Just talk. I was like, am I gonna be able to come home for spring break? Because I have plans. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, but See, I was, even then it didn't seem like you were taking it as serious. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. you were still, like, you know. Yeah. Like, I was like, right. well, am I still going to be able to like, do what I want? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and that was always my main concern. Right. Control. Really. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. they still weren't, like, really. I was, like, doing my whole, like, goodbyes, my texts, mm-hmm. like, to all my friends and stuff. How was your friend's reaction? Because that was random for them, too. They were like, what? They were expecting you to see you at school that day. Yeah, I really only had time to text a few people. Mm -hmm. And then everybody was like, where's Kat? But they pretty much, I mean, put two and two together. So you get to this boot camp type of place. um, And... How was your experience there? Like, what did they, were they, like, mean? Like, tried to whip you into shape? Yeah, Uh, (laughs) well, at the... At the, I get off the plane and we drive like two more hours on a rental, in a rental car and we pull up to this place in Arizona and first of all it's so hot and dry, it's like 103 degrees but it's like a dry heat. Right. Like oh my god. (laughs) So, 
we pull up and it's like the school i don't know i guess they call it a school but it was um like three big buildings Mm -hmm. like white old pillars you know out in the middle of nowhere in arizona and we pull up and they like make me change into this uniform and they're like explaining it all to me i'm like trying to take it all in and i'm like well how long am i supposed to be here for you know i'm thinking it's like gonna be a few months and they're talking about like a few years like you can be there until you finish you complete the program or whatever it's like Mm -hmm. a there it was like a therapeutic boarding school right like it was like a therapy with school so it's like a rehab school yeah pretty much Mm -hmm. it wasn't for only like rehab you know there was just girls with like all kinds of problems but gotcha it was pretty pretty weird. It was like living in a snow globe. Like, it was <laughs> so just... There, we had no connection to the outside world at all. We could only email our parents, and they would, like, read the emails. Yeah. And what were some of the things that they took you guys through? Like, some of the exercises or practices that they performed? Well, you when you first get there, you're level one. Okay. You're a noob, and you have to wear a red polo shirt mm-hmm. that like lets everybody know that you knew your level one and you're not allowed to talk to other level ones because you're like negative you're in like negative states of mind so you can't like talk to each other and you can't walk anywhere by yourself because you might run away off into the desert uh girls would run away all the time but they wouldn't get very far right. so they would always come back and if you try to do that, there's this thing called Staff Buddy, where you have to wear, like, slides like this, um, and a neon green sweater. It means you're, like, <laughs> at risk of, like, either hurting yourself or running away. Okay. The green sweater, like, if you run away at night, they'll be able to see you. It kind of <laughs> sounds like a mental institution. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much, honestly. It was honestly horrible. Right. It was terrible. So do like, you feel like you got anywhere from being there? No, not absolutely not. Probably the only thing I got out of it was my parents kept me from, like, overdosing somewhere. Right. You know, at some party or something. So do you think that that particular place was more of a holding place rather than a place that was designed to get you better? I think, like, personally for me, mm-hmm. I just wasn't ready at all for that kind of help. Gotcha. And I don't know if a lot of, like, girls that age are, but mm-hmm. what else can you do to keep us alive at that point? But mm-hmm. I was not... I mean, I, like, got way worse, actually. After you left there? While I was there. Oh, while you were there, you yeah. got worse. In I what ways? In Because you're what, you couldn't do way. drugs. I couldn't do drugs, yeah. A couple of times I would have other girls, like, sneak stuff in for me. Okay. And I actually overdosed a couple of times when in I was that there. Place. Yeah. So but you got the neon jacket. I got it <laughs> yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah. I have, a, right. I have pictures. Yeah, gotcha. me in that neon jacket mm-hmm. quite a few times. Right. But I never tried to run away, but I was just always doing the most. I had girlfriends mm-hmm. in, in each building you know yeah i was just bored and i don't know that's when all that really started my institutionalized ways right. really started there like just passing time get a girlfriend do the most mm-hmm. and get out and keep doing whatever i want to do that was my cycle for like six years right after boarding school so you leave the boarding school well, this is what happened. Okay. So I was mm-hmm. swiling out at the boarding school so right. much that the school called my parents and they were like, we got to send her farther away. Like she... Oh, so you didn't even go home first. No, nah, I you... didn't even go home first. The boarding school okay. put me on another plane and my parents like flew with me to go to Idaho. Oh. Another right. desert. Right. <laughs> and I'm not 18 yet, so, like, I have no say, really, in all this yeah. at all, because I'm a minor, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we show up in Idaho now, and they drive me farther off into another desert. And I just have to survive, literally, right. in a desert for 
and that's an X amount of time too. Like mm-hmm. if you if you take two years to complete that program, you're gonna be like living in the desert for two years, <laughs> like straight up. But I was like, nah, like I'm over it. Especially it's about to be winter time. Mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> so I got out of there in the minimum amount of time, which was How? thirty days, because I just I just decided I wanted to do. I wanted to do it right so I could get out, mm-hmm. and I kind of enjoyed it. What mm-hmm. parts did you enjoy about that particular place? Yeah. Well, at first, mm-hmm. it was really challenging because I'm like, this is years ago. I weighed like 90 pounds at that time. I'm mm-hmm. like 110 now, but <laughs> <laughs> I was like 90 pounds. They gave me this backpack that was like 75 pounds, mm-hmm. like. I couldn't even lift it up. I had to like get down on the ground and then put it on me and then like stand up. And we had to hike around the desert for like 12 miles every day with that on our back. And then we would just (laughs) stop at some random point and then we had to figure out a way how to build our shelter and all that. Whoa. Yeah, it was crazy. But I did it. I did it quick and I got out of there in 28 days because I was like, "Mm mm-mm. So you get out of Idaho in 28 days. Mm-hmm. Then where do you go? And then they send me back to the boarding school. In Arizona. To complete the program now with a fresh start or whatever. How did that go this time around? I was there until I turned 18. And then you had an option. And then I was like, okay. I'm literally leaving this place. like, Right. Because you legally can. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't going to just be dramatic and like walk out. Right. Into Arizona. So you emailed your mom, come get me. So I was like, uh, with my counselor or whatever, and I was like, I really just feel stagnant here. Like, there's no point in me being here. Mm-hmm. And I I guess I really just, like, convinced them that it was, I don't know. But so they were like, okay, I guess, I guess so. You're, like, 18 or whatever now, so. But you can't come home still. Yeah, you have, this is your parents' sentence. Yeah. Okay. They're like, you still can't come home. You can go to an adult rehab now. Mm. So this is like two years probably now going on. So you go to, you went to the adult rehab, right? Yeah, I went there. It was okay. in Lubbock. Okay, closer. Texas, another <laughs> desert, but another. closer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I was like just worn out kind of like at that point. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, whatever, fine. So I go there, and I, like, completed that. At this point, were, how were your, um, like, were you fainting for drugs at this, at this, at this point? When you were in these rehabs? Like, uh, man, I cannot wait till I get out of here so I can Yeah, I wasn't really, high. like, uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty mm-hmm. much, honestly. Mm-hmm. I was not so much as, like, but I just wanted to be able to go, like, get out of there and be with my friends and do what I wanted. Like, I did not like being so institutionalized. Like, I was young. I wanted to right. have fun, you know? Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was just having a little bit too much fun. <laughs> but, yes. no, yeah. I was bad in high school. But I, uh, I went to the rehab in Lubbock and... I yeah I wanted I wanted to do drugs I mm-hmm. I got out of the rehab in Lubbock and I had to stay at a sober living like community in mm-hmm. Lubbock when I got out of there mm-hmm. so I got out of the rehab and I moved in there and so I'm like finally getting some freedom back and I'm freshly eighteen mm-hmm. and uh, I've been basically like locked up mm-hmm. and so. It didn't take me long to... To fall back into the same cycle. I remember, I guess I was so desperate, like, so whack. I ended up going to, um, like, my first, like, relapse or whatever. I went to, like, H-E-B or something and got Mucinex DM and took the whole box. Wow. In my sober living room. And I, like, why? Why would I do that? That's so stupid. I got sick. It was terrible, mm-hmm. but eventually, like, you start getting close to people in those programs and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and, like, like this person might fall off, 
you were close to this person, this person falls off, this person falls right. off, and like it's really easy to like fall off too. So right. I, so that didn't that could have an the opposite effect on you because you're like damn. Like, these people, yeah, like, I need to, this can sober you up, but it did yeah. the opposite. It, it did, it was more of an excuse, really, right. for me. Because, gotcha. um, my life, as bad as my life got, mm-hmm. it still wasn't bad enough, you know, for me to, in my head, make it click that, right. like, I'm causing all my problems right. in my life. What was the scariest moment that you had involving drug use? Um, I've had, I've had a lot, actually. Mm -hmm. The scariest, the scariest moments that I've had involving drug use have really been more of, like, on the streets and stuff, like, later on. Okay. Um, like, just put myself in stupid situations. As far as, like, a drug deal or you, or the actual use of the drug? Both. Both. Stupid situations, drug deals, like, not ending up very well, or, like, I was, like, pretty much homeless for a little bit, too, mm. so there was some not good situations. Was this directly after you came back from Lubbock, or? Yeah, this okay. was, um, so I was in that halfway house, mm-hmm. and I started no, you know what? This is what happened. And okay. you're going to see a pattern here All right. with my problem. <laughs> I've been looking for the pattern. There's too. a pattern, mm-hmm. and it's a really... Yeah, okay, so I had a girlfriend <laughs> okay. when I was in my boarding school. Mm-hmm. And that was also in the boarding school? Yeah, rewind to the boarding school. Okay. I had a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Really, we were just really, really close, you know? Okay. But, um, okay, fast forward, I'm in that sober living house in Lubbock, and mm-hmm. she comes to visit me, because she's my, she's my girl, I wanted to come visit me, I miss her, so right. she came to visit me, my brother actually at the time was living in Lubbock, because mm-hmm. he was going to school there, that's Texas why my State. parents wanted me to go to rehab there, so. You could be close to yeah. somebody in family. And so, um. But he was on vacation somewhere, so I was able to bring my girlfriend to his house and stay there mm-hmm. for a few days while she visited. A few days. Um, we, I, and we ended up getting high. I On what? Just, I, I think, it, I don't know. I think it was that fake weed okay, stuff. Okay, synthetic. Okay. It wasn't like that crazy back then. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, just, I didn't know where to get anything else Mm -hmm. there, so we went to a smoke shop, it's when they were selling it in smoke shops still. Yeah. And we got some, and, and it, I, uh, I was supposed to be back at my sober living house at a certain time, and I just wasn't, and I wasn't there, back there for a few days, because we were just there getting high, and, Mm -hmm. um, their, like, manager of my sober living house, like, knocked on the door. So you knew where your brother lived? Yeah, I guess so. Or she, like, called my parents and oh, was okay. like, where's she at? Yeah. So that that's the pattern you're going to see is mm-hmm. most of my uh, mis- my crazy stories, uh-huh. like, when I fall off, it always starts with a girl. Right. Every time. And that connects, and here's the reason why. It's because yeah, it all goes it back... The- to insecurities. Yeah, it does. The drugs, mm-hmm. dependence maybe on your partners. Yeah, I'm codependent. I'm codependent. Like, right. Really, like, I want you to make me feel better because yeah. I don't feel good about inside yourself. myself. Mm-hmm. That's why I use drugs so much. Right. And that's why I always get addicted to these girls that I'm with. Mm-hmm. Like. Because they're also, like, that's what it is, like a drug. The relationship, like, everything about it. Right. And so, almost every time I relapse, it's because, like, I'm so caught up in some stupid relationship I'm in. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's, like, the end of the world. Or I don't like feeling that shit, so I just want to stay high until I feel a little bit better. But that just puts it off. It's temporary. Yeah. Right. 
So, mm-hmm. the, the Facebook post that I alluded to at the beginning of the interview, when you were um, telling everybody about your sorority and how you finally got to this place, mm-hmm. how did we get to that place? Um, I feel like I've made a lot of posts like that, mm-hmm. so that could have been one of the ones before I've gotten to this point, mm-hmm. but um, basically... Um, this last time I was locked up, mm-hmm. I finally, I guess my brain finally like rewired itself or something. Mm-hmm. I don't really, I can't really like fully explain it. Like in the AA program, they call it like a spiritual awakening. Mm-hmm. So that's probably like the best way I could describe what happened. And I think a lot of it had to do with, I met a lot of older ladies in there that are going to be in there, like, they're going to die in there, and, like, some of them, like, a couple of them had, like, taken me under their wing, and, um, would tell me about their life, and I could see so many similarities in me, Mm -hmm. and them, and I was, like, I can't keep doing, I cannot keep going in and out, starting my life over, I can't keep going in and out of jail, in and out of rehabs, like, till I'm, like, old, like, these ladies, like, I have too much, like, at this point, I know I'm supposed to do something big, because I wouldn't have even survived through all that, like, you know, so. So, it was seeing, um, these older ladies, and you like literally looking at them and when you're looking at them you're looking at yourself in mm-hmm. the future yeah and you're like i don't want to get to that point yeah so let me chill so that was like the so, what they will call a spiritual awakening yeah so all right let's rewind a little bit <laughs> right <laughs> so uh yeah because there's like a lot of patterns with all this stuff that i've really realized over mm-hmm. the last couple of years right and so, okay, in Lubbock, when I started using again, well, mm-hmm. I just started smoking again, and then slowly it became like pills again, and just really whatever I can get my hands on. Well, I got kicked out of that sober living house because of that, obviously. Okay, for the, about the incident at your brother's house? From just using in general. Okay. Yeah, and so I ended up just driving nine hours back here to Katie mm-hmm. my parents were like that's cool but you can't like live with us still because you fucked it up right yeah so still they were like Mm-mm. <laughs> and so I kind of just uh floated around how did that make you feel by the way um did you take it personal that mm-hmm. your parents gonna let you come on or did you understand at the end of the day honestly like through this whole entire journey I've never I mean yeah we I've been mad at them, you know, but I've never, like, blamed them for any of this, like, I've, even, like, as it's happening, I've always been aware that they're trying to help me. Right. Even them kicking me out or not letting me stay with them, like, that's all that, they don't want to, like, enable me, they don't Mm -hmm. know what to do, so I always knew that whatever decision they made or however they were handling something, like, I knew that they were doing it because they thought it was best for me. So I never gave them a hard time. I would still go over there and visit them and stuff. Gotcha. But I was really just floating around, partying still. I was selling. Mm -hmm. And at this point, because you mentioned earlier that... I was with some crazy girl. Oh, see, here we go with these girls again. (laughs) (laughs) At this point, though, because earlier you mentioned that you were um, homeless at some one point. Yeah. Was that around this time? That was this little time window. Mm -hmm. There was um, some pretty dark times Mm -hmm. during that time. Uh, I remember the thing that got me me off the streets, though, was one time my parents drove by this park, and I was asleep there. Yeah, and so... That was, wow. uh... Did they get out of the car? Or try to yeah. Okay. I was in my car. Like, I had my car. Mm-hmm. Um, I barely ever had money to put gas in it, but I slept in it a lot. And, um, so they pulled up to my car, 
knocked on the, the car window, and that's when they let me come home because they're like, "This right, is like bullshit." Yeah, it, <laughs> like, it, it hit right in the bottom, bottom. Yeah, so uh -huh. we thought, but oh, we got some more bottom. There's head. more bullshit in there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, right. I'm 19, mm -hmm. and uh, so I moved back in with them or whatever, and I, I got a job. And I was working, I was a waitress, mm -hmm. and uh, I saved up money to, oh, I was dating this chick. Mm -hmm. Ugh. <laughs> this was the most toxic, you know, there, you hear so many stories about people's, like, first love, it was so toxic, like, yeah. I was in a two-year relationship with this girl who we just fed each other's addictions, mm -hmm. like... We were both pill heads. Uh, I I ended up getting an apartment with, with my two homeboys. Mm -hmm. um, they were my two best friends at the time. And it was it was really great at first because mm -hmm. we would always have our friends over. We'd always be partying at our apartment, doing whatever. We all worked together too. So, mm -hmm. like, it was a fun, fun time. But this girl I was with, it was so unhealthy and it was really like my first serious relationship so I didn't really know that it was that really bad of a relationship but everyone really in my life did but I'm too stubborn mm -hmm. I'm like nah we're like this is we're in love you know yeah. <laughs> but uh, my roommates ended up not liking her anymore because we used to fight and so we I used to always just go to her house she lived with her parents and her sister, and I used to always just go over there. Mm -hmm. I ended up breaking my lease because I was over at her house so much that I was like, why am I even paying rent? Right. And if I'm never here. All we did was just lay around in her bed and do pills and, like, figure out ways to get more money to do more pills. Wow. And just right around town. All we did was drugs together. That's and it. that's pretty much it. That was like the like main like focus of our relationship, mm -hmm. basically. And I Oh, I ended up I was I ended up having to go to a detox facility. Because I started doing harder drugs than pills because the pills were getting too expensive. Mm -hmm. So I ended up starting to do heroin. Wow. And because um, my opiate addiction was so bad, like I was, I would get sick if I didn't have opiates in me. I was really? so sick, so sick. I was eventually just, like, getting high. Like, I wasn't getting high. I was just trying to, like, not be sick. Right. From withdrawals. So, at one point, right, you're not doing drugs because to get out of the enjoyment. You're doing yeah. it just so you won't get sick. Exactly. There's wow. There was, like, zero enjoyment at that point. I was just trying to prevent feeling like I was dying so I could function. And, uh... Yeah, I ended up selling my car so I could go to this detox place because I could not do it. Yeah. Uh, I had to withdraw in there, and that took, like, 12 days. What process do they take you through for the detox? They just really, like, monitor you. Okay. Like, uh, my blood pressure was too low for them to give me mm -hmm. detox medicine, like Suboxone or mm -hmm. something like that that makes it easier, but I couldn't. I wasn't, they wouldn't let me take any of that because I was so, like, small. Right. Which it probably would have been fine because I was doing drugs. Yeah, you are doing you know? heavy drugs. <laughs> <laughs> but, right. uh, no, that took about 12 days, and then I had to go to this other halfway house after that. Mm -hmm. How did we get to jail? Because you mentioned that mm -hmm. when you saw these old ladies in so, jail. So, yeah, we're almost to that point. Okay. Uh, I was staying in this other halfway house mm -hmm. after the detox facility and I was still with this girl the toxic girl uh-huh mm -hmm. and uh, um, yeah 
I like was still talking to her, like rekindling it and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I started using obviously again, like pretty quickly and I got kicked out of that place. And I, where did I go after that? I don't know, but I started selling drugs again. And, and that's when I, that's when I got arrested the first time one night. It was my friend's 21st birthday. It was, it was me and my two homeboys, and we were going out for my friend's 21st birthday. He didn't even want to go out. Mm -hmm. But I was like, nah, let's go out and celebrate, whatever. So we go. We were chilling. I drank, like, literally half of a beer. And then we leave, and I grab my backpack. We're in the car. We're on our way to this bar. And, um... I see some lights going mm. off, and I start tripping out. I was really ratchet at this point in my life. <laughs> I had dreadlocks. Mm -hmm. Like, I, my car probably smelled like weed. Mm -hmm. So the cop comes up to the window, and he's like, you know, you have a tail light out? I was like, oh, no, or whatever. I don't, I don't know what I said. But, mm -hmm. um, he said that he could smell alcohol in my breath. And I also had taken a few pills. Mm. So I didn't even remember that I drank half that beer. Right. And I was 19 at the time, so that was illegal. Illegal, right. So it's like, whatever. Breathalyze me, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so he did, and I blew a point oh one, mm. Which is illegal for a 19-year-old, so that gave him probable cause to search my car. And I didn't... I didn't think that... I had any more pills on me because I remember when I saw the lights going off, mm -hmm. I uh, reached back to where I thought like all of them were at and I took them. You took them right then and there? Yeah, I just took them. Like how many pills were we talking? Um, it was a lot. It was like a handful, I'd say. Yeah. And so by the time he's like halfway through searching my car, I'm like out of there. You're gone. Yeah. Like fully. And, um... My two friends, basically, they let them go because they know I'm the problem. Right. <laughs> and uh, I'm, like, trying to escape out of the cop car at this point because I'm, like, I'm out of there. Yeah. And he finds some, he finds, like, a couple pills in my backpack that I had. I think it was, like, three bars in my backpack. And they're like, whose backpack is this? So I was like, it's mine. So they let my friends go and mm -hmm. and I went to jail. I don't remember most of that process, mm -hmm. honestly. And that was my first time going to jail. I was in there a week and then I got bonded out by my parents. They gave me plenty of time to yeah. think about what I've done. I think really they just couldn't decide if they wanted to get me out or not. Yeah. Which they kept telling me no and then... I don't know what changed their mind, really, mm -hmm. but they did. And Love. Yeah, <laughs> they were like, damn, we can't just leave her. Right. That was like my one could, freebie out Right, of just because they can leave you in the car, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Couldn't leave me in the car, couldn't leave me in the jail. Right. They never gave up on me, like, through all of this, which I'm, like, so blessed for right. that because I've seen so many people going through all that with like nobody mm -hmm. you know and I don't know if I would have been able to like change mm -hmm. if I didn't have them but anyway what was I at oh yeah they got me out mm -hmm. I ended up signing for this thing called drug court which it's kind of like probation but it's really intense because I got a felony possession charge so I Basically, the thing with drug court is if you sign for it, then y if you complete the program that they have, then your felony will be completely expunged. Really? Off your record. The arrest, everything. So I was like, mm. yeah, <laughs> sign me up. I'll right. do that. I'm like 19. I don't want a felony on my record. And mm -hmm. I've been through rehab and stuff. So I can probably do that. So I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't do it. Right. Drug court is like you have to go to court once a week. You have to go to classes three times a week. You're on this thing called colors, mm -hmm. which is you have to call the probation office. There's like this automated line 
you wake up at 6 a.m. every day and you call this automated line and if they say you're assigned color then you have to drop your life and go in for a drug test that day and uh -huh. so and you have to hold a job like you know it uh -huh. was just a lot and like again I wasn't ready like right. for all that I don't know I, I was so like stubborn in my head I thought that I wanted to like be sober and be better and stuff, but mm -hmm. I didn't want to that bad, really. Yeah. So I ended up failing quite a few drug tests. So you go back to jail. So Is that what happened? yeah, well, mm -hmm. they this judge gave me so many chances. Honestly, like he, he actually I went to rehab two more times. Mm -hmm. He sent me to um, state-funded rehabs twice. So this is like six rehabs. It's, a, it's six rehabs, like, pr basically, six programs. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. Um, and I kept on messing up still mm -hmm. after that. And there's, I remember this, I took this drug test, I, or I failed an alcohol test. Alcohol test? Yeah. I failed an alcohol test, and then it was like a two-week break from colors because it was like, Christmas vacation or something. Mm -hmm. And then, so I knew I failed that alcohol test. So that whole two weeks, I don't even remember that. A whole entire two weeks. Because I was so, like, I knew I was going to go to jail. I knew. It was just, like, an excuse, again. Right. Really. So I go and I take a drug test after that break is over. And I failed for every single thing. Everyone. Yeah. And my PO was, like, almost started crying like really Catherine like she like, almost really? started crying straight up and she's this hard ass black lady like mm -hmm. does not play any games right. and she like almost started crying you know yeah because they've been trying to help me for so long and I just am like killing myself mm -hmm. so that's when I first went to prison gotcha uh, I went to they sentenced me to um I was in county for like three months waiting when I got transferred. So I was, that window was like a year of being locked up. Uh, jail, three months, and then prison was like nine months. Mm -hmm. And then I got out of there. Like all through all of this, I'm like in and out of relationships. Like just, a, I don't know. Every rehab I ever went to, every time I was in jail, like. I always had a girlfriend, uh, I don't know why I had to do, felt the need to do that, but, so, at this point, okay, the whole time I was in prison, the first time, mm -hmm. I was bad again, <laughs> like, still childish, mm -hmm. I was, I was pretty immature still mm -hmm. I feel like especially from being like in and out like from the age of like 16 that kind of like stunted my maturity I feel like a mm -hmm. lot on like a lot of like That's interesting. A, lo a lot of like aspects mm -hmm. um, just because you feel like maybe that you were put in a position to where you had to survive instead of just live yeah emotionally for right. sure mm -hmm. and I think me acting out was more of always like walls up for yeah. the situation like I wanted everyone to know that I didn't want to be there mm -hmm. and like I wasn't gonna go along with whatever it was because I didn't care right and I was gonna do whatever I wanted no matter where I'm at mm -hmm. you know so that was um, I had this I had this girlfriend in in prison <laughs> uh we were like as serious as you can be in, in there, you know, right. with the right notes, passing yeah. them through the window and and meeting up at, you know, we were in two different dorms, so mm -hmm. we would always be scheming, trying to plan when we could be at the same place at the same time. It just really passed the time. Right. Um, so I had a, like a lot of beef with a lot of the guards in there. And... I just thought they were just picking on me, right. you know, because I, I was gay. A lot of them didn't like that. Mm -hmm. And um, 
I was pretty disrespectful. I mean, not initially. Me, I'm always the one that I have like a problem with authority. Like, mm -hmm. if a, an authority figure talks to me crazy, you gonna pop off. I'll pop off like <laughs> every time. Right. Um. So I had a, a pretty hard time getting out of there. Um. But I did, and I got out. Got a girlfriend. I was, Another girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> I got, I think, well, actually, yeah, I got out, went to this halfway house that they made me go to in Bryan. Bryan, Texas. <sighs> See, I don't even <laughs> be remembering all of it. But, yeah, I went to Bryan. Mm -hmm. This halfway house called BV Casa. Mm -hmm. It was an old hospital building. And there was, like, 300 of us there. Like, all people from different units. Mm -hmm. We were trying to, like reintegrate you into society right i was only there for nine months i didn't need to go there but yeah got some girlfriend in there um i got a job at this chick-fil-a because we we're allowed to work that was like the only reason we we're allowed to leave there is work and then go back so i got this job at this chick-fil-a mm -hmm. and then when i got out of the halfway house i just got a place in brian mm -hmm. with my best friend that was locked up with me. Mm -hmm. We were roommates. And um, I stayed working at that Chick-fil-A just like because I was comfortable there mm -hmm. already. And, but I fell off again pretty quick. You know, I'm going to tell you a quote because this is a cycle for you. It is. <laughs> it will the way out um, You can't heal in the same place you got sick. Yeah. Not even though... You might have location-wise been somewhere else, mm -hmm. but you just said, I moved in with my best friend who I was in jail with. So, obviously, she was going through her own stuff, yeah. too. And so, or before, you were saying that you hooked up with a girl, y'all fed each other's addiction. Yeah. You can't. There's no way. So, moving forward, if you see I, any signs no of somebody having this, some same problems as you, or, as you, or any addiction... Yeah. Don't do it. Stay away. Yeah. Far away. Me. <laughs> so I was like the with my last relationship, she was really like the first well not the first, but serious relationship wise, like mm -hmm. that didn't do drugs. Like right. she was not into that lifestyle at all. Mm -hmm. That was probably the reason why I got off papers mm -hmm. like six months ago, finally. Was being with someone that wasn't dragging me down in that aspect. Right. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, but, I mean, my roommate that I lived with, she mm -hmm. was always was looking out for me. Right. Like, when we were locked up and out. Mm hmm But I fell off on my own. Yeah. Actually, I mm. fell off because <laughs> I was with a girl that I met in my <laughs> classes that probation was making me take. Mm-hmm. Well, we were locked up together, but we didn't talk. And yeah. Then whatever. And, yeah, anyway, so I fell off doing drugs again, mm -hmm. still on probation. I'm living in College Station, or Bryan College Station mm -hmm. over there. Quit my job because my manager made me mad. <laughs> again. Yeah. Authority. <laughs> Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, he like got my face, so I was like, I'm okay. literally making minimum wage and I'm leaving. Right. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, it was like $9, but still, same. Yeah. that's the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, I got so bad again in my addiction that I, um, I ended up, I did heroin again, just one time, because mm -hmm. I, I was like at my rock bottom, like straight up. Finally, I was like, I was so tired of like getting out and then like starting like to build myself up a life and then like it's all gone literally. Right. And that was so exhausting. And and uh, I okay, so I relapsed on heroin and I my kidney failed. Or, like, it was, like, failing. I don't know if it was bad or or if my body was just, like, giving out. Mm -hmm. um, but 
Yeah, I was in the hospital for like three days, and then after that, I uh, I went to my I went back to Fort Bend County, who like they like are in control of my life mm-hmm. still at this point. So I went back to Fort Bend County, and I like broke down in the probation office, and I like begged them to lock me up again. Wow. You yeah. begged us to lock you up again? Yeah, literally. I was like, you have to lock me up, like, today. Like, straight up. And so they did. And I turned myself in that day. And I uh, have, I don't, I still haven't done drugs since that. Yay. Okay. Uh, I've, you know, smoked occasionally. Yeah. But I... I can honestly say, like, for the first time, these last really, like, almost, probably, like, two and a half, almost three years, I'd say, mm-hmm. since I was, like, a drug addict. Um, That's good. Like, I honestly have not wanted to use drugs at all, really. And that's like so crazy to me. Like right. I can't wrap my head so around that. Because so for so long. Yeah, and I for so long wanted to want to stop. Right. Like I didn't want to, and I knew I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. But the second time I was in prison, or this when I turned myself in, and I was in jail still in county jail, mm-hmm. waiting to be transferred, I made myself a promise because I I knew that this was. Like, the main root of me never progressing at all. Mm-hmm. I made myself a promise that I was not going to get a girlfriend <laughs> in there. Right. And uh, that was like, I really, really, really meant that shit. And I got in there, and I got a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it wasn't serious. I mean, I, she was pretty, and I was bored, and yeah. you know what I mean? We're still friends, Mm -hmm. me and this chick, but, like, I got a girlfriend right off the rip, and, um, I had this little friend, this little, this little friend, Mm. (laughs) and, uh, there was just, when you're in somewhere like that, like, it's so easy to get so caught up in all that. Yeah. Like, there's nothing else, literally, Mm -hmm. nothing else. And so it's so easy to get caught up in the bullshit. Like, it's so exhausting. I had this friend telling, like, I'm, like, thinking I'm, like, really good friends with this chick. Mm-hmm. And then my girl, like, you know, whatever, like, we're into each other, whatever. But my friend over here is telling my girl all kinds of bullshit about mm-hmm. me. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm flirting with all these other girls and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, just, it was just stupid, petty, and I shouldn't have even got mad about it, but, um, so me and my friend got in an altercation, and, um, after that, I, like, walked off all heated, and then I punched a wall in the shower area, mm-hmm. after, like, we got in our little fight, and then I went in the shower area and punched a wall and broke my hand. <laughs> <laughs> I was... So mad at myself for right. breaking my hand because I'm gonna get in trouble right. for destruction of state property because mm-hmm. I'm state property and destruction. Oh, you're state property. Got me. It. <laughs> wow. If we hurt ourselves, we yeah. in trouble. So I go to the guard. Like my hands already like mm-hmm. swelling up. My knuckles like down here. Man. I like go to the guard. I'm like, hey, my uh, bed. My box thing fell on my hand. Like I need some help. Mm-hmm. And so I so when you're in TDC and you need medical attention, mm-hmm. you have to get on a bus at 3 a.m. in shackles and get shipped off to Galveston, mm. <laughs> which is the hospital mm-hmm. where it's like med students. So we're like their guinea pigs, right. basically. <laughs> uh, and that's wow. when I met a lot of the older ladies that are like at different units mm-hmm. that are doing life sentences. Mm-hmm. 
And when they sent me on this medical chain trip, they didn't they didn't send me with any hygiene shit like they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. And so these two older ladies that were like going to the hospital also, like started giving me like shampoo and soap and toothbrush and stuff. Yeah. Cause it's like a week long thing. Mm-hmm. And I talked to them a lot about their not about their charges, but. Um, I like got out and looked it up later, but, uh, (laughs) but they just, one of them was an old heroin addict, ended up, uh, ended up murdering one of her homegirls over it, and she was just like, she was just the sweetest lady, dude, like her Mm -hmm. heart, and, and I just talked to so many people like that, and the thing I think that did it in my head was seeing all that, and and seeing how exhausting all the games are, yeah. you know, the mental games, mm-hmm. not even like the physical fights, but like the mental, like, you always are playing games in there, Yeah. and it's exhausting, and after that, um, I had like a cast on, mm-hmm. and I like got my, sh- I really like got together after that, I did so much work on myself. Um, it was crazy. I wrote like a 70 page life story. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like about my life and like I like read it over and over. Like I didn't leave any details out of it. Like stuff that I've done that I've told myself didn't really happen. Like It's crazy. Oh, sorry to cut you off. That's okay. But you go to these places that's supposed to be therapeutic for you or some kind of therapy for you but at the end of the day you end up being your own therapist yeah (laughs) isn't that crazy wow that's crazy i got all that really says is like i've been to like five star rehabs Mm -hmm. and like hole in the wall rehabs and like you can have all the best help Mm -hmm. but if you don't care like you're gonna get nothing nothing out of it like until you're like you are sick of that like what they say like i like i had aa and na like forced down my throat for Mm -hmm. so many years i hated it i still Mm -hmm. don't go to meetings like i don't want to but Mm -hmm. i hated it i hated the 12 steps i hated the whole program i hated all the people in there Mm -hmm. because it was just forced upon me like and i didn't whatever all the cliches like would make me so mad but like at the end of the day like all that is true like mm-hmm. um like uh all the little, like like little sayings that mm-hmm. they have in alcoholics anonymous and stuff like it works if you work it mm-hmm. or the only way out is through like all those like cheesy lines they have like one day at a time like but true but they're all so like they're all so true right and, like, one of the steps, or the 12 steps, the fourth step is really, like, when you're, like, digging, like, really deep into mm-hmm. yourself. And, like, you'll write a life story and you'll, like, eventually write down, like, all the things you've done to anybody ever. Which, mm-hmm. usually for drug addicts and alcoholics, like, that's a lot. Right. And, like, we bury it all in, you know, because mm-hmm. we're, like, ashamed of it and... Which will lead you to it do more It feeds your drugs. addiction more. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's when, like, that's the thing that really changed me was looking at all my own shit mm-hmm. on paper. Mm-hmm. And, like, seeing, Something powerful about writing things down. Yeah. It's wow. so powerful. And, mm-hmm. like, the way I did it was, like, I just tried to remember every single little detail of my life mm-hmm. and write it down. Wow. Literally. It took and me, what? like, six months. Six months. To write it, yeah, because I was oh. taking it so serious. Mm-hmm. And there was this counselor in there, mm-hmm. and uh, he helped me a lot. He gave me, like, a lot of, like, books to read mm-hmm. and stuff. What did that, when you wrote your life story, what realizations did you come to? A lot. Mm-hmm. A lot. There was a, there was a lot of, like, um things that I have done in my addiction Mm -hmm. and a lot a lot a lot of lies 
I think that was um, the worst part that really like kept me so sick and so in my addiction was the shame. Mm-hmm. Like of all the lies I told, all the like I stole from, you know, and uh, I just was so like ashamed of myself. I was never like faithful, mm-hmm. you know. I like cheated on every girl I was ever with. Let them tell you. <laughs> but I mean, they weren't angels either, but you know yeah. what I mean? I just was unhappy with myself. I hated myself and I didn't know that. Right. You know? So gotcha. I I saw a lot of patterns, a lot of patterns in my life. Mm-hmm. Main one was the relationships and my codependency and mm-hmm. my need to like my need for, um, like, I don't know, to be loved and, like, needed attention. and, like, yes. the attention, mm-hmm. yeah. I wanted attention a lot. Right. Um, I don't know. I don't know what in my child, like, I had a great childhood. Like, I, I wrote down every part of my childhood mm-hmm. that I could remember. Um... There's some things that, like, could have contributed, but, like, I feel fortunate for my childhood. Right. So, just, I think, um, really, uh, my chemicals, dude, up Mm -hmm. here in my brain, like, really, honestly, I've been on all kinds of, um, antidepressants and anti-anxiety mood stabilizers and stuff like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, my mom's side of the family... Every single woman in my mom's side of the family is, like, we're all crazy, like, in our own ways. Like, we all either have, like, depression, really bad, anxiety, and it all comes out of us in, like, all different ways. Different ways. And I guess that was mine. Gotcha. Do you ever fear relapsing? Like, do you you sit down and you think, like, man, this is going good, but hopefully... Because it's been really years don't. now. Yeah, I really yeah. don't. and Which is so crazy to me because the main, like, I mean, uh, I don't know. I feel like my brain just, like, I, I really don't want to do, like, I think about pills and, mm-hmm. and, and lean and, like, all this stuff I used to be so in love with. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, nothing in me that wants any of it. It's kind of like when you, um. It's crazy. It's kind of like, you could probably attest to this, it's kind of like when you level up in life uh, and then you look at the people you dated. And you're like, like ugh. I was caught up on you. I was desperate. Real talk. It's not even about appearance, it's about them as a person. It's like, this is what I was stressing about? Really? Right. Did me so dirty. (laughs) You know? Right. So, in yeah, in like in closing, what advice would you give somebody who is one um, in the middle of the storm, mm-hmm. <laughs> or for a person that's um, got past the storm but is worried about having to travel back through it? Okay. Well, for me, like if. If I could do anything with my story, mm-hmm. I really just, I, I want, like, young kids like I was mm-hmm. to hear it. I don't know what it would do for them, mm-hmm. but um, I, I just, it's sad, like, seeing, like, such a young drug addict. Mm-hmm. Like, I was a full-blown drug addict, and, like, everything I went through, literally, was just... I had to hit my rock bottom. That was literally it. And uh, I don't know why I had to put myself through so much mm-hmm. to get there, but someone that's in their active addiction right now, uh, I would just say, just try to stay alive. Honestly, that's mm-hmm. all I can, like, like Mac Miller. Mm-hmm. I mean. So many people that we love. I've died at the hand of drugs. And that exact thing has happened to me multiple times, and I am still here. Mm-hmm. And I'm 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 grateful that I'm still here, and I'm grateful that my parents didn't have to bury me, and that all their efforts weren't like in vain, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I'm grateful that uh, that I got it all kind of like out of the way at a mm-hmm. young age. Right. And that I'm not like one of these older ladies that's like on parole at age 50. Yeah. So I actually better do something with my life at this yeah. point. So. You use your mess as your message. Exactly. Yeah, so I don't know. If anybody ever needs to talk, I'm here. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I'm good to listen and listen to you and, and give my experiences. That's all I have is my experiences. But right. So. Anyone that's worried about relapsing, I would say don't, don't worry about that on your own. One like, day at a time. You have to talk to people like mm-hmm. about that. And yeah, one day at a time, like as long as you just don't do it, like you're going to be glad. Right. For me, like all the times when I relapsed, mm-hmm. I never talked to anybody because I didn't want them to tell me that I shouldn't do it. Right. You didn't want to hear that. Like, no. Nah. Exactly. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do with my story. Probably. Well, you started here. Yeah. You know, I wanna, people hear your story here. I want to write a book, but I'll be going well, to Well, you kind of already did. I know, right? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I'm proud of you, Thank you. Um, for you getting this far, and I wholeheartedly believe that what you've been through is not for nothing, of course, mm-hmm. and that, you know, you can use your story to help the next person, right? Yeah, that's the goal. So, thank you for sitting down with me. Thank you for being so vulnerable and so open with me and my audience. Yeah, I just kind of ran my mouth. Do you have any, like, specific other questions? No, we covered everything I had. Okay. So, that's it for episode 23, guys. Thank you for um, tuning in, and I'll see you next time.